0: Okay, my point is that nobody needs to check out simply because we're talking about parenting. Because the reality in our world is that we're in this together and we need each other. That's why we need a church body to do life together through good times and difficult times. So, as we talk about this today, I want you to remember that if you're single, you don't have children, guess what? That may change. That may change. As a matter of fact, I remember not too long ago, I was doing a baby dedication and uh, I, I believe it was a little boy and I held that little boy in my arms getting ready to pray for him and it, it just wrapped its arms around my neck and was just squeezing me so tight and I was like, all of a sudden my heart, y'all know what I mean, it's like my heart went, oh, I need one of these. And I looked over at Michaela and she was sitting right there and, uh, and, and I said, And so I'm not saying it's prophetic or anything, but she came to me a few weeks later and said, hey, Daddy, guess what? I got a grandbaby coming in January. I'm excited. So you never know. You never know. Many of your aunts and uncles, grandparents, but you know what? Parents need help today. Parents need help today. And our job is to come alongside parents because it's a very, very difficult time. There are challenges that are I look at some of the challenges that parents have today and it breaks my heart because we didn't have that. Our parents didn't have that. Not nearly at the level that we see today. And we're going to talk about some of those things. So I want to challenge you to engage this morning. I'm going to challenge you to listen with an open heart. I want you to listen also with your mind. And I want to challenge you to engage. In what we're talking about today so if you would stand to your feet we're gonna read the Word of God together and we're going into the heavy one of the heavy books Judges the book of Judges and I want to read in verse uh, chapter 2 and we'll pretty much stay for the core of our message today in Judges but I want to read the first two verses of Judges Judges chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim, and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you, everybody look at yourself and just remember, well, you can't look at yourself, but point at yourself. You, that's talking about us in this house today. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land, you shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? While you're standing, we're going to read another passage in, chapter, in verse 10. But before I do that, I want to remind you of a little history and a little background to this chapter. God had brought them into the promised land, shown them the promises, but there were battles to be fought. And instead of trusting fully in God, what they ended up doing was making partnerships with other nations and other people that weren't of the same mindset. They weren't believers. They weren't following God. They followed other gods. But because it was convenient and it was easy and it made sense in the flesh, they teamed up. And this was not what God wanted. So what the Bible would tell us is that Israel honored God with partial obedience. I want to in, in put this into you as best as I can today. Partial, imbe- uh, partial obedience is disobedience. And what we see here is the angel of the Lord coming and confronting the people of God. I believe we live in a time right now where God is confronting the people of God. Yes. You wonder why it's getting hot spiritually? Because God is saying, wake up. Yes. It's not time for games. Yes. It's not time to close our eyes and wait for something to pass. It's time to engage and obey God. That's what this scripture's telling us. So this is what happens when we partially obey god we find ourselves in judges chapter 2 verse 10 when all that generation the generation of joshua when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers another generation arose after them who did not know the lord nor the work which he had done for israel heaven forbid but that's where we are again. Let's pray. Father, today we come before you and we ask you, Lord, as we sow the seeds of your word, that God, your anointing in this place would just cover every person. We believe, Father, and we know that it's your anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage in every one of our lives, and we declare that in this moment right now. And we speak, Father, that the seed that is sown will find fertile soil in every person's heart, whether they be here in this room or whether they be listening around the world, that, Father, this seed would take root and bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. Father, help us to awaken to what you have called us to be and do. And, Lord, I ask this as always, finally, that when we leave our time together today, We would leave here changed in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, as I jump into this, I think when we talk about parenting, we come to the place where we have to ask this question, what is our vision for our kids? What is our vision for our children or what is our goal? You see, if we try to move through life without a goal, as as a business owner, as as any kind of entrepreneur, anything in life, if you're trying to achieve something, it's been proven over and over that if you don't have a goal to move toward, you'll just keep floating around and accepting whatever happens in your life. And the truth is, many of us in our culture today have raised our children in that manner. We've raised our kids sometimes in a place where it's like, well, I don't have a goal. They're going to be good people. They're going to pe- be good people. As a believer or a child of God, understand there is a command for us to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. The problem is that we have found ourselves as people of God in a place where we have fallen back into the pattern That Israel had found themselves, the people of God in Judges found themselves. And it's so interesting to me that even through the Old Testament, as you read these things and it shows us the character of God throughout all the pages, we realize that people move in cycles. They move in cycles. Now, how many know that every one of us, we have our tendencies, and you know, it's like you'll have a good season and something, you know, it's like we tend to move in these different cycles, but the thing is, is learning how to disrupt that cycle. And so today what I want to do is I want to throw a wrench into your inner workings, and I want to help the Word be the disruptor in your life right now. Because we live in a time that if people don't wake up to what's happening around us, we're going to find that uh, the thing that we hope doesn't happen will be upon us so fast that there's nothing else we can do about it but hang on and keep praying. I'm telling you, we're in a time now that we need to be praying, but we also need to be active in being the people of God and standing for biblical morality and biblical worldview values. Amen. So, when we look at that, we say, what is the responsibility? What is our God-called responsibility? Well, in Judges, we're talking about in the time when Joshua had died and was buried and gone to be with his fathers and that entire generation. In Joshua, he actually made a statement that is a great vision statement. As he is questioned, he answers this. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think sometimes we say that, but we don't even know what it means. I think at the end of the day, we like to stand up, especially here. We live in our conservative bubble, so to speak. We, we live here. We've been insulated from a lot of the things that have happened around the world, and I thank God for it. But there comes a place that you have to realize that somebody paid the price so that we could have that. And now it's our turn to pay the price so that our children and our grandchildren can have that. And you say, well, Pastor, we don't need to worry about that stuff because we believe Jesus is coming back soon. We don't need to worry about that. Let me explain to you how I was taught. I was taught that the Bible teaches us that we should plan like Jesus isn't returning for another decade or two decades or a hundred years. It doesn't matter. And we live as if he's coming back tomorrow. So what I want you to understand is that we need to be about the Father's business. So don't get, your, get stuck with your head in the sand and think, this isn't what I need to be worrying about. No, this is what we need to be worrying about because we are the church. We are the people of God. And we have a job to do in this community. Every single one of us. So when I look at this... What do we want our children to be? What do we want them to accomplish? Well, that's easy for the believer, I think most of us would say this, to be the men and women that God intended for them to be. That's an easy answer. To not focus simply on temporal things, but to see with eyes of the eternal. But you know, we say those things and sometimes it's so powerful to say them out loud. But there's so much more to it than just saying the words. And I think that's where we get stuck. And that's what we're going to dig into just for a moment. Because here's what, here I remember so vividly when my babies were born. Every time, especially when that first one was in my arms after being born. And I'm holding them in my arms and it was like everything changed. Now, how many of you had the same experience when you had your first child? You're holding them in your arms, you realize, oh, wow, this is heavy. Because you look at the world differently. And today I'm telling you as we get older, what we tend to do is we go through life and all this. But I'm going to tell you, I still feel the same about every one of my girls right now to this day. See, I still believe God charged me. With, to, to guide them and lead them in the ways of the Lord. And it's my responsibility to continue that and to be the guide for that. So we never, that responsibility never goes away. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6, the Bible teaches us, it says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. I love this, so I just want to leave that up for a moment. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, here's where I want to help you. Because most people think, well, I'm training them up in the Lord. I'm bringing them to church on Sunday mornings. That's amazing. And that's awesome. What a great step. And what a great important step. But it goes beyond that. Because it says train up a child. Let me tell you, you cannot train a child for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and expect them to be overcomers and have it planted in their hearts when they're fighting all hell every other hour of the week. Because some of us need to understand what's going on is that we're allow, we want the church to do all the discipling of our kids. And the church's job is not to disciple your kids for you. It's to help you disciple your kids alongside you. So we need to see it in our our homes. We need to see it. Our kids need to see. When you're having a really, really bad day. Anybody ever have one of those? Ever had one of those? Some of you have a lot of them because I get those calls. No, you're having a really, really bad day. Do you know your children are watching you? And they are looking and say, oh, so that's what a man of God looks like. How frightening is that? Wives, let me talk to you for a minute, because I know all of us husbands, we're kind of idiots most of the time. We are. And when we do something really dumb, and you are losing it, and your children are watching, you're showing your child what a Proverbs 31 woman is supposed to be? No. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is that we need to understand that responsibility goes beyond when they're toddlers and when we're teaching them the basic things of life. No, it comes to the place where we're teaching them and growing them every day of their lives. All of my children are grown and have their own houses and and husbands and, and some children and all those things. But it's still my job to make sure, and they'll tell you every time if somebody misses church, why were you at church? Where were you at? Well, you know, this, 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 this. Okay. All right, I'm good at guilt. I grew up Pentecostal. I can throw some guilt. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, it's my job. It's my job to help my kids understand what's important. And let me give you this key thought today. And so I've only got two for you. This key thought. To train a child in the ways of the Lord requires more than a brief Sunday morning experience. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to get this in your heart. Training a child in the ways of the Lord requires more than a brief morning, uh, Sunday morning experience. You must show them every day and with every moment what it means and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. When I look at that and I read that, Even for someone who's followed the Lord as many years as I have and raised my kids, and I'm so grateful. God has honored me with amazing kids. Every one of them served the church. I am grateful. But every day when I read this, it reminds me, wow, I need to be better. Because even in my life, I recognize these things. So let me tell you. So on Sundays, we get a child for about an hour and a half. Pastor Bill and Sarah, they get them for just a little bit of time every morning on Sunday. So that's one and a half hours. Just let me do, I'm gonna do some simple math for you, just really quick, to help you out. Just to do it, because some of y'all went to public school like I did. Okay. So culture has your kids in school for 40 hours a week, right? 40 hours, eight hours a day, correct? Eight hours a day, 40 hours. 10 hours of extracurricular. And I'm saying that's being pretty light. If they play sports, it's probably 40. But anyway, 10 hours of extracurricular. Let's just say five hours of homework. Anybody? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So when I look at that, how many hours is that? 55. So 55 hours of what's being taught in our schools. I'm not saying it's all bad. understand that but 55 hours versus one and a half hours that you have them in the house of God. I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that that's a recipe for disaster, spiritually. So let's put on top of that that now we live in a time where there's some serious issues that are going on inside of our school systems right now. We know that. We've talked about it. Because of all the different things, and I will just go ahead and tell you, because I knew there would be younger children in here, I have carved back some of the things that I wanted to share with you, but I will relate to them. And if you ask me a question later, I will let you know. But when I look at this, I want you to understand some of the things that happen in curriculums in our county right now. And before I say this, I want to tell you this. I am grateful and I praise God for spirit-filled, Bible-believing teachers who are battling this thing every single day. Every day. But it's an uphill battle for them. And they can't do it alone. But let's look at this. So I'm just giving you some basic stuff, right? So let's talk about curriculum your kids Uh, these things are targeted for your kids that are incorporated into curriculums in your kids right now that have been approved by the board, right? Not the church board, the school board. church board would not, but that's okay. That's another story. But when we look at this, all right, did you know that in kindergarten, one of the targets they have is to teach your kid what murder is? Kindergarten. I don't. Want, I don't want somebody teaching my kid about that in kindergarten, right? Anybody else? Then let's go to first grade. I'm just and I'm moving through these things really quickly. In first grade, they're in the books. They are touching on gender fluidity. First grade. My grandson's in first grade. That terrifies me. Why? Because I don't want someone else teaching the values that my family stands for and what we believe in, and there's some person that I don't even know who has decided this is what every child needs to understand. Let me tell you something, that's why over a million kids did not return to school and started homeschooling last year before school started back across the country. And I can already tell you that as as, uh, Grant Ross is talking about the sweet notes, when I do messages like this, I get a lot of these notes that tell me I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about, and that's fine. My job is not to be the smartest school person out there. My job is to preach what God's laid on my heart and what's best for our community. (laughs) Gender fluidity in the first grade. In the second grade, they have portions that talk about police violence and anti-police ideas. In the third grade, they talk about being anti-church. Now, they don't phrase it that way, but the idea is that the church caused so many problems through history that you can't depend on what church says. So they're te- teaching us. and I want you to understand, if you're 16, 17 years old, you're old enough to be able to decipher some of this stuff. But are you there when you're in the third grade? No. Fourth grade, rape and adultery. Fifth grade, promiscuity and harmful relationships that we would deem as harmful relationships. Now, I'm being so nice right now, and I want you to understand that it took, I had to go over this a hundred times just so I wasn't too upset because I get angry. And so should you. Not with a worldly anger, but with a righteous anger. Because these are our children. And here's what's awful. We've allowed this. We've allowed this. Just this week, there was uh, a cry about a particular book that was written and that was in the libraries of every school. And I'm not look I'm not a book burner. I, I love books, I love all this stuff, but there's appropriate things. and this book was absolutely explicitly pornographic. And in this book, It had all of this, I mean, I couldn't even read it. And this was in the book for our kids to check out. In our school, guys, in Sumner County Schools. (laughs) And the board kind of passed on it. I don't know all their reasoning. There's some good people on our board. I'm thankful for the good people on our board. But I know there's some people on that board that need a good dose of the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you. But what I will say upon this is that after that, some of the parents who couldn't believe that they didn't address this decided that they'd take it to the next level and sent a nice formal letter talking about the lawsuit that was coming because of it. It's awful powerful because now they've taken the book off the shelves for review. And when they review it, I have good confidence that any normal person will look at it and say, no, that does not need to be on the shelf for our kids to read. The reason I say that is because it matters when you make a stand for what's right. And I'm going to tell you something. Let me talk to our Tennessean friends. Now, let me tell all of our friends that have moved here from other states, we receive you as Tennesseans. We love you. We are glad you're here. I have not met a bad one yet. But what I will tell you this, let me speak to our Tennesseans, and this is a gentle rebuke from a grandfather. Why is it that we should allow or expect people from other states who have watched what has happened to their school systems be the ones who are standing in the gap for our kids? We need to be standing in the gap for our kids alongside them. Mm. A couple weeks ago I used a video on Wednesday night as I was teaching and, and in this video I don't even want to show it again, it disgusts me so bad. But in this video, and, I, and I, know the, I know every kid in here has probably even seen it. That's what so bothers me even more. But the problem is, is that it was a church. And the priest was standing at the altar area. And there were two little girls sitting on the stage, on the, on the actual, on the altar. And then beside them was this guy dressed in drag. Full drag. And as he's doing this, They're acting and helping these kids understand, now this is what normal looks like. This is in church, y'all. Now, what I want you to understand is then the priest takes the Scripture... And begins to distort scripture, and I'm going to tell you, i bringing a curse upon himself. And, but he's taking that scripture saying, you know, you've got to be renewed in your mind. You cannot conform to the way that the world thinks because everything changes. And you need to embrace this change as he's talking about this to these two children. So don't tell me that I'm overreacting. Don't tell me that somebody doesn't need to be talking about this. Because if we don't talk about these things from the pulpit, what is the purpose of what we're doing if we are believers and we're called to take dominion? This is our community. This is our city and these are our kids. So, I'm not trying to be raging or anything like that. I don't think I am. But here's what I just want to tell you, that school was designed, public school was designed to teach our kids fundamentals of reading, writing, math, and history. I don't need the school teaching my kids what's morally right. Right? You say, why, Pastor? The the platform is not the place for that. I completely disagree with you. Because when you hear me talk about this, I'm only telling you because this is what the Bible says. We are the gatekeepers for our children. We are. And our gate is the Word of God. So I just want to challenge you in those things to make you think for a minute today that there is a battle raging for every one of our kids and our teachers and our our leaders that are inside that movement, that are inside the education system, that are inside our political government and all those things. They need us to stand with them. They need our help. And I'll say it again. I thank God every day for teachers and for People who work inside of our school system that love God and live for God and are fighting with everything inside of them to make sure that this stuff is not what's getting brought into their classrooms. I think it's so important. But you were given the responsibility to raise your child. You. I've served God for a long time. I've seen a lot of things in my life, as many of you have. But today we live in a world that's pushing ever closer to allowing darkness to be the norm. It doesn't have to be that way. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. The Bible says that these things have to happen in order for the Lord to come back. Let me tell you, you are correct. The Bible does say that. But what it also says this is that there will be the glory of God that has risen up. It talks about a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. What I'm telling you is that there are always going to be places where light shines brightly. And may this place be a place where the glory of God shines brightly we're not perfect, we don't have it all together, and we'll miss the mark occasionally, but if we'll stand upon what God's word teaches us. So when we look and see what's going on in our world, what I can tell you is this, without getting (laughs) uh, jumping on the political train, is this, we hear a lot about the Great Reset. That's a message for another day. I've actually done a message on that, but what I would tell you right now As as believers, I believe we as parents, we need a great reset. And I was thinking about this. I was praying last night. And as I was praying, I kept being brought to our baptism services. And this is what I felt like the Lord laid on my heart. And you pray about it, you pray about it through the week. I thought, what a powerful moment and message that if families follow the Lord and water baptism together and their kids see their parents baptized as they're baptized. You see, we'll say, Pastor, I've been baptized. Now, I'm not trying to get doctrinal on you. I'm not trying to challenge doctrine. All I'm telling you, I think there's a time where we have to show our kids what this looks like. And for some of us, it's a restart. For some of us, it can be that washing away of what was of saying, no, I'm waking up to my responsibilities as a man of God or as a woman of God, and I'm going to be the parent that I need to be, and I'm going to show my kids this is a new day for us. Amen. So I want to challenge you that if that's you, sign your whole family up. We'll spend all Sunday baptizing people. I don't care, because what better thing to do? Because it's time to shift. It's time to wake up, and the reality is, is we've got to take back what's ours. And people say, well, what do we do? Where are we marching? What? I don't even believe we have to do that at this point. I believe that if we'll just stand up and let our voices be heard, I'm tired of hearing it called a silent majority. I'm ready to hear it called a spirit-filled majority, because I know this, when we stand up, it's not just our voice being heard, it's the voice of the Lord. And what better voice could we be celebrating, right? That's what we need to do. We need to stand up and be the believers that God called us to be. Let me share one more key thought with you today. And it's this. A generation that does not know God is the result of a lack of spiritual spiritual leadership in the lives of that generation. Judges chapter 2 verse 10 was the result. Because what happened in those first two verses, as we read in that, as we were going back, we don't have to go back to the scripture, but as I refer to it, what you can understand is that as they're going through this, this is why the angel of the Lord was, had to be very frustrated. Because he brought rebuke. He spoke over them and said, why did you do this? And here's what the rest of that passage says, it says that they wept and they cried. As a matter of fact, in that scripture, in chapter, uh, cha- verse 1, it says the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal, which is a place of blessing, and found them in Bochim, which is a place of mourning. And what it's teaching us is the Lord came up and was rebuking them, and they heard the rebuke. They repented of the rebuke. They cried out. And you know what happens in Scripture? They went back to the lands that God had given them and basically went back to normal. That's not the thing to do. Because of that, we find verse 10. There was a generation that did not know of God or of his mighty works. Let's not allow that to happen. Let's make sure our kids understand in whom we believe. That we're not perfect by any stretch. And that we all make mistakes. And we're trying to do the best we can. But I'm asking you to love your kids enough to make sure you're training them up in the ways of the Lord. Being a witness and an example in every moment that you have. You say, Pastor, well that doesn't give me room to be human. You're not human, you're parents. (laughs) Right? You don't get to be human anymore. No, you're a parent. This is our job. This is our call. This is who we are. And today as we look at this, I think it's so important for us to understand that that's what is needed. Spiritual leadership in our families. So what it does is it comes down to this. Are you providing that? Are you allowing somebody else to provide it? Now, if you're a heathen, you're probably better off letting one of us be the example. <laughs> but I would say most of us in this house love God and that we want to be the example for our kids that we need to be. It's time. It's time bow your head and close your eyes right where you are today father today we come into this place and lord these are challenging times these are strange days in which we live your word even refers as we talked sunday wednesday night Lord, there will be terrible times, and in that phrase, it's not just terrible. Terrible means demonic. Lord, we are seeing that kind of behavior all around us, and Lord, sometimes it's difficult to understand what to do next. Father, I pray that you would convict all of our hearts as parents, as grandparents, as leaders. That, Father, we would search our hearts, for the places where we have failed to lead. And that we would wake up with a new mission. That we will be revived and awakened once again to the call of who God's called us to be. You blessed us with these children. You blessed us with these these people that we love dearly. Father, when we're gone... I don't want them to not know of the miracles of God, of the dead being raised, of the blind eyes being healed, of the miracles that God has brought us through. I want them to know the stories of your power, and not only the stories, but they witness that. So Father, I pray that all of us as adults that you'd convict our hearts to awaken to the call that you place inside of each of us to lead into those things. And Father, right now, we want to be the leaders you called us to be. Help us, Father. I pray that they would have boldness to step out in places they've not stepped out before. That, God, you would give them peace to know that you're never going to leave them or forsake them and leave them hanging in a situation. I pray, God, you'd give them favor. That as they commit to you, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And, Lord, I ask this, that you ignite a revival inside of our young people and children. That, Father, they start to teach us what it is to worship. That they are so hungry. I believe, Father, that there's a revival inside of our young people just waiting to burst forth. And, Lord, I declare it in Jesus' name that, Father, we as parents would encourage and push and support them in that. Let it be, God. But convict us of our failures and our compromise with every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I recognize that I've probably not been the leader that my kids need me to be completely. I need to change that. I need the Holy Spirit to give me the strength and the wisdom to change that. And I want to commit to that today. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up right where you are, all across this building. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Just keep them up for a moment. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes. I see your hand. Thank you. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Anybody else, I don't want to miss a single hand. You can place your hands back down. Now I'm going to ask this question. You're here and you say, Pastor, the truth is, I know that I'm not right with God today. And I need to give my life to Jesus. Can I tell you, that's the greatest thing that could ever happen in this house. And with the thousands upon thousands that we've seen receive Jesus over the years of our ministries, I'd be honored to pray with you today. And you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you today. That's not what I do unless the Spirit changes it. And you're here and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I don't wanna miss a single hand here, thank you. Amen, you can place your hands back down. Now I'm gonna ask everyone in this room, could you just stand to your feet right where you are? I'm gonna ask our altar workers and our pastors that are available to make their way to the front. I wanna say this before I even begin to pray, that today I want you to understand one thing. We believe in the power of corporate prayer. And we believe something powerful happens when we agree together. So today, if you're sick in body, if you're here today and you got some challenges and you say, Pastor, I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to pray over me. I'm facing some stuff that's bigger than me. That's what this altar is here for. And we will stay as long as we need to to pray with you because that's why we're here. But the first thing we're going to do is first this, is you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I know that I need to take care of some things and I need to be a different parent. I need to be a different leader. I want you to know, I am praying with you and for you. You are not alone and you are made for this. And the Spirit of God, I, want you to, I just want to remind every parent of this, especially you that raise your hands, the same Spirit... The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power and spirit that the Bible says lives inside of you as a believer. So there is nothing that you cannot accomplish when you recognize who you are. So step into your leadership. You've got this. It is not bigger than you. And it certainly is not bigger than who God is. So I'm praying for you, I'm praying with you. Let's do this. For those of you that raised your hand and said, Pastor, I need Jesus, we're gonna pray this prayer. It's a simple prayer. And I only ask a couple of things. Number one, that you tell somebody about the decision that you're making today. That is so important. Because here's why. When you walk out that door, the world's still there. And a lot of you have got friends who are not Christians and the enemy likes to use people to steal that seed out of your life, well you didn't change, that didn't change you, that's why you need to tell a believer about the decision that you made, you don't have to do this alone, as a matter of fact, you weren't created to do this alone, we need each other, and there's nobody in this building that's any better than you are, we've all been there, so today tell somebody about the decision that you're making, the second thing is this, You have not been baptized. Next week, we're baptizing. Get your name on that list outside so that one of the pastors can call and go over things with you and help you understand what's going on. We want you to be a part of that and we wanna celebrate it because it's powerful. But I want us to all say this prayer together all across the house as a family. Bow your head, close your eyes. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven and I'm new. The old is gone. So, Father, today I receive you. In Jesus' name I pray amen and amen.